We are here because we are dedicated to helping the entire CrossFit community. Determined to elevate coaches, box owners, athletes, and everything in between, we believe that this mission will begin right here, right now. While this time and this goal begins with you, our hope is that you take this fire ignited within you and weave it into your own life with the same unrelenting passion to give those you have the privilege of coming in contact with the best hour of their day. Welcome back to best hour of their day. Clearly, it's happy hour here for best hour for your drinking. It's always happy hour. Are you always drinking? Do I just never pick up on this? You got to having start- you as a partner has pushed me to drink. <laughs> what what is that? So you got a Starbucks on one side. It's not even it's three not a- o'clock in uh, Virginia right now. I'm mixing uppers and downers. I'm mixing <laughs> uppers and downers. What do you got there? What's in the right hand? It's a New Glarus. It's from New Glarus um, Brewing Company. This is up in Wisconsin. This was given to me. Like a ton of these were just given to me by one of my friends and member. And they're all in our one of one of our refrigerators at the gym. It's called Spotted Cow. It's pretty good. You, and is Only just, in Wisconsin. Is it just Friday? It's happy hour? What's going on? Are you done with work for the week? Yeah, I'm done with. I mean, yeah, I actually did uh, way more work on Fridays than I typically do on Fridays today, just because I was here and I was doing a bunch of stuff. But I'm actually going to put a kegerator in my office. I could see that. I can. I'm surprised you don't have one already. So for for those, you know, I think it's important to note for those that listen to us that are considering affiliate university, considering learning from us. You pretty much do it right. I mean. When you talk about a box, you got a great box. You got hundreds of members. You've got two coaches that are on seminar staff that can you're never concerned about, which is, you know, whether they're on seminar staff or not, just the fact that you're Lindsay and Cassidy, as well as a handful of other coaches, you're, you're never worried about speaking of. Come on, Lindsay. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. We get it, Lindsay. You want to be on the podcast. Strategically time just always in the background just Every creeping and time. lurking <laughs> and, and right when i was saying something nice about her too right but anyway yeah anyway saying something side. nice about you i mean you you tuesdays you don't go into the box i mean that's you know a day you you, you go shooting guns and doing other crazy things and then fridays you're done well, weekends you so have, I'm, I'm, let me let me right. let me say something nice about you fern now, you know I, what? I'm uncomfortable. You know I'm what? Uncomfortable I don't want to anymore. I take it back. <laughs> no, no. The listeners want to hear it because they definitely agree with you. It's funny enough. I had a call for affiliate you right before this, and and one of the guys that I was talking to uh, that owns the box, their their son is in the Naval Academy. Oh. And he was like, right. he was like, Fern played Division One basketball there, right? <laughs> I was like, you know it. So, so people Everybody are finding knows. out. People know about you. Thank you. My, you know, the, the, if if the fact that my collegiate career is now coming to light, one thousand percent because of you and not because of me is comical. But I, anyway, I, go back to giving. Go wait, back me, to sing. Go back to singing my praises. This is the I best podcast we've ever done. Really want the Naval Academy to have no choice but to induct you into the Hall of Fame. That's how much I want to. <laughs> grow you know the the story of jason fernandez one basketball career they're gonna be like he wasn't very good but man everyone talks about him 
terrible. I actually have this weird. So they have these things called forest all, forest all lectures where they bring back uh, prominent. It's not the word, but they bring back guest speakers to speak to the entire brigade. And I <laughs> have always wanted to be like, I would, that was like, that'd be great if they had me come back to speak to the entire brigade of midshipmen, because I would lead with something to the effect of, you can be an awful student and be successful, everybody. So stop studying. Stop I graduated with a 2.11 GPA. So actually, um, but let me ask you a couple of questions about your basketball career. Four years? Were you? Did you play all? Four, or no, you, all four years at the academy? Yeah, and then a year prior to that in prep school because I'm a rock and needed a little bit of extra education before they decided to let me into the school. Did you start? Off and on. It was kind of a mixed bag. I started, I started at like sporadically throughout the four years. So it was like, it wasn't, I got hurt my freshman year, um, but did play and start a little bit there. So I wouldn't, I was never a constant starter. Like I was, that name was never, um, you weren't thrown around you know, there, 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 it was never there permanently. Um, yeah, but it was, it was a bit of a troubled career, I guess not be, it was just like, it was rough the for a lot of reasons you know what was your what were some of your averages do you have, can you give us a reference of how good you were points per game oh negligible i mean i i actually don't even know i couldn't even tell you you did not, score have like, you did you great. score <laughs> yes i have scored <laughs> okay. i don't know i'm not a i'm not a big you know basketball guy i don't know it, it, so i could so well my role there changed right so my uh, in high school, I was primarily a scorer. And then because, uh, and I led the, this, I still have a couple scoring records and this and stuff weird there, but it, but the, uh, in college, I was not a scorer. I was distributor. So most of the, most of the stuff I would keep track of, like, like I would, you know, I would keep track of would be, you know, assists and turnovers, you know, like I have, I have like weird stats in my, in my head about, you know, I, I think I went, three and a half months. I don't know what that game span would be, but without turning the ball over one time, you know, like, so that, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely don't want to give the ball to the other team. So just stuff like that as a point guard is, are more, more relevant to that position than anything. Um, and stuff that was really harped on for, at least for my position. So anyway, anyway, we're going to get you into that hall of fame. I know it's a big dream and goal of yours. So. <laughs> it's not <laughs> the, uh, but anyway, you were telling everybody I, how great I am. Yes, yeah. I'm just saying how great you were, <laughs> but no, I think, you know, we were, you know, we're recording this on a Friday, literally three o'clock Virginia time and you're drinking a beer. And I just think it's important for people listening that, you know, are considering working with any coach to know like, Hey, with us, I was the same way. We things that we talk about. You should be able to go away on vacation for two weeks. You should have a staff of people that you're not concerned about. You should be able to have a beer, you know, three o'clock on a Friday or whatever you want to do. You do it. You know, you you lead by example. You you do all of the things that that we encourage and we teach our clients to do. And I think that's important. And and you know, we've talked about it on the last episode. We've talked about it on many episodes. The reason you and I are both very well prepared for that is because we made the mistakes. Right. So that's kind of where I was going with that. I have, well, no, let's go back one more step. And you and I have talked about this um, kind of off 
camera or off recording many, many times. It, it's super important for me and and with regard to coaching affiliates to be in the affiliate, right? Because yes. I, you know, for me personally, right? That's why I, I do it and I love it, and that's why, you know, I think it, it I think it has tremendous value add to that because I'm doing it real time most of the time. And then the other aspect of that is, yes, I've done many, many, many things wrong. I've taken myself out of the business too soon. I put myself back into the business too soon. I've outsourced things that I shouldn't have. I've outsourced the right things, but then had to move them around. You know, I've taken stents off. I've coached too much. It's, it's, it's a constant tug of war and as you do this a little bit longer and as you get as you make the incremental improvements you just deal with the different subsets of problems or not even problems just think you you have there's different things to navigate right so when you're not a one man band then it's how do i manage people to make sure that they're getting things done and then as i start to, I, Cassie and I were talking today about like shifting around some responsibilities because in theory when we collectively put our heads together and came up with these ideas it worked great and then as we're all kind of sitting around we're like what because our, our retreat is coming up Sunday, our staff retreat, and I'm trying to get everything lined up for presentation staff and you know all that stuff. Kind of like walking through some of the things with regard to what's not working. Like this thing that we had put together is not working in theory on paper, it looks good, but practically it's not working. So let's change it. Let's let's maneuver some things around. So a little bit of a shift in responsibilities with regard to that. But again, it's a steal from Joe Rogan. Like, oh, there's levels to everything, not to insinuate that I am on the top level, but the it changes right and then you you become responsible for different things if in fact you're doing it right and a lot of the stuff that we tell people that or you know whether we whether they're in affiliate you or they call us and ask us i'm not here to tell anybody how to live inside of their own affiliate that is completely up to the individual right what we're trying to help people is like what does that look like for you and then we'll help you dial it up some people go up and neither here nor there to me it's not my affiliate right there's just a well-run affiliate or not and you can have a lot of different variations of that of a good affiliate look very very different so that that's what i think is important there, there's no one answer there's core pillars with regard to that they, they all consist of the right things but they look a little bit different and they might operate a little bit different dare i say there are different techniques to running a good affiliate for sure. For sure. You know, and it's, it's the same. It's all, again, all the concepts from the level one, those theory lectures, like that, that technique intensity deal that exists with inside managing an affiliate as well. You can run a thousand miles an hour, no technique, all intensity as a box owner. You can also have the best technique in the world and have no forward progress and movement with regard to evolving the things you different do and also not get what you want out of it. You know, I, I like to call it the kind of the, the I, don't, I don't remember where I got this, but the the cathedral and the bazaar analogy, which is, you know, the cathedral, it's this immaculately constructed thing. Um, however, it took 150 years to build. And don't touch anything. And, uh, yeah, don't touch anything. And, 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 then, and then once you build it, you can't really make any changes to it. It's permanent. 
right? It's so marble. you're stuck with it's yeah, it's it's stuck in that structure and that shame and that and, and that shape and that mold. And the flip side of that is the bazaar, which is if you know if you've ever been to any any flea culture market. that has like a flea market, a bazaar, or something like that, where it's ju it's just mass chaos and nobody really knows how or why it functions, but it functions and it functions at at really high capacity and really high pace. However, you can't figure out what to do with it. It's just a living organism that has that, that nobody controls. And I think for trying to strike balance, you should have some degree of balance between the cathedral and the bazaar, which is like, there should be some degree of chaos in there because I'm trying to change and I'm trying to maneuver. I'm trying to do things, but it shouldn't be all bizarre and it shouldn't be all cathedral. It should be a balance of those two. I should have a plan in place, but I shouldn't be opposed to kind of mixing things up and seeing if I can break things and change and do it that and do it that way. So that's, that's the, the line that I try to walk. And sometimes you, you teeter a little bit, just like you do in, in fitness. Sometimes you err a little bit too much on the on the bizarre side, and people are like, "You gotta slow down, bro." It's like, yeah, fair enough. Well, speaking of erring on the bizarre side, we are here to talk about the power clean today, and we left the last episode talking about my power clean. And when you compare a cathedral to a flea market. That was the flea market of power clean. It was a flea market. That was a flea market. <laughs> that was like the it's... rundown flea market in the old $2 movie theater that no longer exists, that kids are just drinking on Friday nights at now, um, doing keg stands in the back. That was what that was. Yeah. And hey, but listen, sometimes you just have a really good time at the flea market, and it looked like you're having a really good time on that power clean. Well, well let's, let's talk about it. For those that haven't seen it, uh, I think it's on my Instagram and we'll probably share it over here. I'm sure Katie will take care of that. But yeah, it was, you know, let me give a little background. It was supposed to be work up to a heavy three. And lately at the box, tell me what you think about this. So we've had a couple tests and this week, you know, they're establishing some new baselines on Monday was supposed to be a heavy triple power clean. On Wednesday, we did a heavy triple front squat and press. And today, Friday, heavy triple deadlift. So let me tell you something. We had four lifts. Well, yeah, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Obviously, there was workouts in there as well. Right. Or conditioning, I should say. But I failed all four of those, meaning I did not get to three on any of the four. For the, the power clean, obviously, you saw I hit one. The front squat and both the press, I hit twos. And today on my deadlift, I hit one instead of three. But I want to hear your feedback on this because – you know, people are always like, well, what was your heaviest three? And I'm like, well, I didn't do one because my heaviest three would have been the same. I tried to go heavier. So for example, my previous best triple deadlift was 355 about a month ago. So I loaded up 360 trying to hit three. I only got one. It was basically a one rep max today. But what's your thought on that as a coach? You know, I always equate like doing the same weight again as dating an ex. Like, hey, this shit didn't work out. You guys, you know, stop getting along for a reason. Don't go back there. And it's the same thing. Like I've been there. I've done that. Why am I going to do it again? I'm trying to establish a new record, a, you know, whether it's a one rep or a two rep. Um, I, I, I probably described, I probably have mixed feelings about that. So <laughs> the, I, so I get the logic and I'll, and I'll occasionally say that in, so I'll give context. So if, if we were doing that and somebody walked up to me and they're just like, Hey, I just hit 185 and 190 is my regardless of lift doesn't matter. 
190 is my PR. Should I try 190? My answer is no. Skip 190, go to 195. Unless I right, saw something you've egregious. Done it already. Right. Like, Unless I saw something egregious at 185, then I'm like, skip it. We could assume that, you know, we could dial that up with a lot of things. Okay? But even so that's if you one are zero. successful, like if that's the goal. even if you're successful and hit it, you've already done it. We don't put it a little, you know, Wattify doesn't give you a little badge or whatever you're using. You've been there, you've done that. So go 191 for all I care. It's still technically a PR, right? It is still, it, if it's it matches your personal your PR, record, right, yeah. right? If it still matches your personal record, then it is a personal record, right? So there's that. Um, however, I want people to to try to exceed that. Now, a lot of things going on here. So the, now to say that that's never good, well, that, and I know that's not what you're saying, but some people be like, well, we're, I'm not, I'm never going to do that again. Well, this ignores everything that we know about programming, about periodization, about just strength uh, programming in general. There's a lot of times when I'm going to do that repeatedly, what, what you just a lot without going into like nauseating detail with regard to that. But it definitely has value if I'm trying to build overall absolute strength. It takes It takes a long time to do that. And if done correctly, you're going to spend a lot of time at repeat weights that are in the 85, 90 range. And, and, and if do that's a lot the of it purpose, because, that's different. Right, right, right. But if it's like, hey, PR day, well, then go for broke, man. Like, like try to put it on the bar. Even um, if, I mean, but, just for reference in Wattify, I'm always below anyone that hit three and I don't care, you know, so it's not an ego thing because if it were an ego thing, I would, I would be in the top five if I just hit something relatively heavy, but I'm going for it. So my, my best deadlift of one, even though it's way stronger than most of the lifts in there is considered last place. Cause I only hit one. Now the coaching counter argument to this is, and I'll use an example that, from uh, East Coast Gold, from the weightlifting team that we have here at CrossFit Rife, they they do several meets throughout the years, throughout the year, and one of them they just had, and they send I don't know anywhere between fifteen to twenty people to nationals every year across the uh, the seniors uh, division. So in multiple weight classes, they there's a video posted, and I'm pretty sure it was Rachel, but anyway, it was from it was from a year prior same weight. So it's a side by side. So let's just say, uh, 19 and 20, same lift and same load. I don't remember what it was. doesn't matter, but they, sh but they were, they were highlighting the difference, right? And, and the, what they were trying to explain was that, Hey, same lift looks totally different. One of them looks very crisp and clean. The other one looks like went for broke, got it but not a great looking lift. And that was kind of the point is there's a definitely a difference between getting a really snappy snatch or clean and jerk that the pull is good. Everything's under control. Snap yourself under the bar. It's a clean catch. You settle and you stand versus a real hot mess pull off the floor. I get it to the front rack position, turn myself into a folding chair, step out of it, take a couple steps forward and stand up. While both of them did complete the lift, both we can't overlook the fact that one of them demonstrates much better technique and control and is very arguably stronger than the other one. 
I, right. I can agree with so, that. So, you, you know, stronger. sometimes there's value and just be right. Sometimes there's value and just be like, hey, not your one rep, but make it look easy. You know, just from a confidence standpoint. I, I'll give you that. And I guess, again, it depends on what's expected. Hey, work up to a heavy three or work up to a three rep max. That, you know, and right. for the rev record, all four of those attempts on all different lifts, I truly thought I was going to get three. I wasn't like, I'm ignoring the coach. I'm not going to do what he's suggesting. I thought I would be able to pull that weight three times. And then as soon as I did the first one, I was like, that's not, if I go for number two, it's going to be ugly. It's not, you know, and, and on the front squat and the press, I just failed. So I was trying for it, but let's, Let's talk about that clean. I, well, I, I did that on a deadlift uh, two. I did it on deadlift two two weeks ago, with the same thing. Right, the intent was a triple, but I pull. I got to, you know. I just kept adding weight, and I was like, "Hey, I'm going to do this. I'm trying to get some volume in here." And like by the time I got to the weight that I wanted to hit for a triple, I don't remember what it was. I think it was like three sixty five. Nothing impressive. The, That's what I was going. For. I pulled it for a single, and I was just like, "Yeah, I, yeah." Well, I pulled it. It was supposed to be a triple. And then I, I pulled it on the single. I was like, I'm good. Like, I don't, I, could I make this happen for a three? I'm pretty confident, but like, I just don't want to at this point. Yeah. And part of that is just knowledge, experience, time under tension. Same today. I, I was going to go for 365. I wound up going for 360. I got it from one. I'll post it at some point. And I went to do my second. I mean, I was just like this. I just brought it down. I was like, this is not going to be pretty. So let's talk about that clean. We joked on the previous episode that the best cues were, Hey, take the weight off. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's dive into first. Too many people can power clean more than they can squat clean. That's a problem. Yeah, that's, that's fair. It's a technique issue. If you it's, can power clean more than you can squat clean, you're, you're not getting that third pull. You're afraid to pull yourself under the bar or you're just not good at it. Well, yes, that could be it. The other aspect of that that we shouldn't and can't ignore is that maybe that's the case. Maybe the squat position is not lending itself to doing a squat clean or a full clean. So there are some people who I know who are plenty strong, but their positions are so as we start to descend into what we would describe as emotion that it's not going to lend something that I would consider or safe at the load that they're currently kind of playing around with. So that is the thing, right? Just like you, you can't squat clean because the bottom of your squat is awful. And it is what it is, right? So it's not that the power clean has you for a lot of people stay there until we can might take a while. I agree with you. I think more often than not, when somebody is struggling to squat clean and they're proficient in the power clean or their power clean is just more that or, or the equal to for, you know, for, for that matter, it's more often the inability to pull under than their squat. But, but, but certainly there is a percentage of people that do that. What, what would you say are your, give me your favorite drill or two for those struggling to pull under for that third pull. Who I mean, the, you can get, so there's a lot of different things you can do here. So one of them uh, is high blocks, right? And if you don't have these in your gym, so now we're kind of getting into weightlifting, like specialty work here. So accessory work. So high block work is amazing. 
um, one of the other ones. So one of the other culprits that is seldom noticed and people don't know what to do with it is they have a hitch in the middle of their squat clean, meaning they're banging it on their thighs. And if I watch this in slow motion, there is a brief moment in time where the bar comes to a complete stop in its trajectory on the middle of the pole. And these people are the folks that as they're pulling, as the bar comes, they come to a quick kind of a very quick stop. If I pause it, it was going to look like they're going to do a hang clean. They bump it off the thighs and then they're going around. Well, and that's why and many people can hang squat clean or even hang power clean more than they can full from the ground. And right. you know, we all it's, know it's, it's essentially the same thing. Right. And we all know the first pull mid chin to mid thigh is also sometimes dubbed the positional pull. And too many people get out of position on that first pull. Right. So with regard to that one, it leads to polar issues. What it, it highlights not by position it is that, that hitch in the middle. So for that one, we'll do something. And again, most of these things I've stolen from Phil um, Sabatini, who is our head weightlifting coach here. The, so we'll do no contact drills where the bar is not allowed to touch the body. And this will take somebody arbitrarily, I can couple here off the top of my head, who could easily power clean 240 or higher, 245, 255, 260. And moving that hitch and not allowing them to make contact with the body because they rely on it so heavily will take them down to something. I mean, they'll take them down 40, 50 pounds because they can the bar without contact at the thigh. So one, the other thing is high block because it takes away, you have to start from a dead, that higher position. So going for something that was maybe like just below the pockets. Uh, and this is another way you can teach people to kind of learn the, and I hate knee bend or the scoop, that kind of position technique there into the finished position of the third pole. So short from that, to go from that position, like full extension, when you do it, that that can that when people do that for the first time, it's a hot because it really highlights the fact that they are they have never been in that position before. Um, and then the other one is just kind of speed work from the top. So, and Coach Bergner, you know, will hammer people with that in you know a lot of his clinics. It's just starting on that drug high position toes, so that the 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 next thing that happens from there is just. There's no longer an up anymore. Like I'm at the height of the pull up on my toes, straight arms with a shrug. And then now my goal is underneath and underneath only. And this is where typically you separate, you know, the, the men boys or the, or the ladies from the girls, right? However you want to use that term. This is where speed now really gets a flashlight put on it where it's just like, I've removed everything and only left you with the speed and we're going to see how fast you are. And this is where you get to see people who are really, really fast and people who, you know, just maybe even just don't have that kind of like that muscle fiber, that fast twitch muscle type muscle fiber to get into good positions really, really quickly. Yeah. That's actually my favorite drill to help people with, whether you call it a tall cleaner snatch or you're actually demonstrating being a triple extension already, maybe just, where you have minimal movement up and it's all fast underneath. I think that's probably the greatest drill. I also think it's why the medicine ball clean needs to be utilized more because you could do that with the medicine ball clean. And if you're a good coach and proficient at it, you're teaching that to your members from day one. 
mean, if you have someone new coming to your box and they've never Olympic lifted before, and this is a fault that they create, that's on you because they've learned these bad habits versus being taught the good ones from day one. You know, something I've had some conversations with coach Bergner and so many, I think this is, you know, the curse of the novice coach. It's like hit and catch. Cause that's what I learned. You know, coach Bergner is like, just move that bar straight for 90% of the athletes in your box. They don't have to worry about hit and catch or where, you know, smashing it off their thighs or their hips. They just have to move that bar in a straight bar path. And again, if you're teaching them the hit and catch, but here you are, you know, generating this fault of this pause or hitch or stop, what, what use is it? It, it could be the greatest technique in the world, not for this person. Well, it, it's also, and again, some people might be heard about this, but it's also a misunderstanding of the mechanics of that movement, right? So people kind of see that double knee bend as like the hips moving forward and making contact with the bar. Um, but, if I'm trying to generate upward force and um, if you don't follow Greg Everett on Instagram, you should from, from catalyst, catalyst. old school, from old catalyst school guy. Yeah. Old school, you know, probably has the, this is probably not a far fetched statement. He probably has the most content with regard to weightlifting that exists out on the internet with regard to programs and video and journals and articles and all that stuff. I mean, just a, just a plethora of information from that guy. And he, um, and I was, uh, and Bob Takano teaches this too, but the, he has a, he had a video on there, which was kind of demonstrating the difference between something like the leg and hip extension of a kettlebell swing versus legging and, and hip extension of a clean. So we know if I put myself in a hinge and then I just stand up for a kettlebell swing, that is an entirely different extension that if I go from a clean and then I kind of push my knees forward in that double knee bend and then jump up, right? So you wouldn't be able to physically jump while using the technique for a kettlebell swing where you should. And that's what a lot of people are doing with the clean. You should be able to jump with a barbell in hand, right? Just you should be able to do that. If you're doing that, that demonstrates proper second pull mechanics because that's how it's supposed to work. Yeah. And I mean, that's the beauty of all of these movements. We were, I was coaching the, the clean earlier this week and I'm like, this is the same as a box jump. It's the same as this. It's this, you know, universal motor recruitment pattern. We want to see these things. And for your newer athletes, that's how you can teach them Olympic lifts so fast. Right. So, I mean, if you simplify it for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, really, I mean, I don't know if you remember, but when I was at my, I think I took the level one a second time and, you know, 2008 or so. And when they were teaching the snatch in that group, they were just like, jump, land. That's it. Two words. They taught us the Olympic lift. And that's really how I learned it. That's, that's still how I teach it, to be honest with you. I, like, if you can just simplify that. And, and you kind of have some things in mind with regard to like, where am I going to go depending on what I see, but the simpler you can make the most complicated lift on earth, the better off you're going to be, which is like, put your hands in the right place. We're going to start here. I just want you to jump and catch when your feet hit the floor, have that thing overhead. And nine times out of 10, you'll get, you know, you're not going to get a great looking snatch, but 
you're going to get something that resembles a snatch, which is good enough to start, right? It's good enough to get us moving very quickly, and it's going to give them some degree of confidence. They're like, oh, I can, I can quasi do this. And then from there, I got to figure out like what's going on. Is the, is, are we not standing up all the way? Are they pulling early with the arms? They have no idea where the bar is overhead. And then I can start to dial in what my, what my tactic is going to be. And obviously we've done some things prior to this. I'm not just like, here you go, jump and catch. But, you know, I do think some of the best people that I've ever worked with. So coach Wilkes, who's been, you know, on the Olympic team, Bob Takano, coach Bergner. um, I'm trying to think like Harvey Newton, like, you know, like Leo Totten, like a lot of these guys who are just, you know, lions in that world. If you ever learn anything from them, Gail Hatch, same thing. Like it's, it's simple. Like they don't complicate things. It's just like, here, go. I'll tell you what to do when I, when I need you to do something different, right? The best coaches do that. Yeah. The best coaches do that. Too many newer coaches. We've talked about this are trying to show you how much I know and complicating an already complex thing versus simplifying it. Someone new comes into your box and whether it's on ramp or their first class, and you're talking about the first pull, the second pull, triple extension, you're confusing them. Hey, take your feet. I want you to jump. I want you to finish with this bar overhead. That's the snatch. And that's all they need to know for a while. And then in time, your goal is week and month after month, you're teaching them more and more. You're layering it on. So before we wrap up, I want to... But with that, but with that let's go back to where we started with, with the clean, which is like people always have issues fixing that clean. And that that's kind what of I was going to say. Yeah, muted hip clean. And again, without making it super complicated, not telling them what the problem is, a re- uh, this one almost will never fail you. It, it, it will at very least get you to like have a light bulb moment very quickly. Have them pause in the catch. They either can't, or if they do, they're going to correct to the correct position very quickly because of how egregiously expensive that muted hip position is. To so hold in. you tell me to do that on that lift. It's not happening. And we talked about this, the right, right answer for my lift. And then, you know, that's what it was. It was, a, it was a one rep max. You're not a one rep max. Shouldn't look perfect, potentially kind of like we talked earlier, but it also shouldn't look like a hot mess. I think. Right. So that, there's a difference between not looking good and looking awful. Yeah, and I would say right. that like a, was, a one a one rep max should look hard. It should look difficult, which is not the same as looking bad. Right, and let's let's take an easier lift to examine the deadlift. It means it's going to slow down. It means you may round a tiny bit in your back. But if you're like a completely rounded, you know, Halloween cat, drop the bar. Right. So if you told me to right. pause in my receiving position for my power clean, there, not happening. So you need to back off the weight. And I think which again, right, which again, now I don't even have to have the conversation, right? So I've eliminated anything that would resemble conflict. I'm like, I need you to pause in the catch. You do it, have just obviously come to the conclusion that that is not happening. You've just made the decision that we were going to make anyway, which is I'm going to have to bring the weight down in order to do that. I physically cannot catch this in that position. And it's like, and then. We just do it, and now we practice the technique portion of it because it's still going to be difficult. Everybody thinks that if I lighten the load, that it's just automatically going to be easy. I would probably means- have had to bring that load down 25 pounds. 
Right. And it's still going to be hard because now I'm going to put you in positions that you struggle in. So talk to me about this. You know, for a lot of people, I can squat clean significantly more than I can power clean. And that's about the load where, right, I'm, I'm happy with that. But that 200 pounds is about the load that I completely stop from getting under the bar because it's either I'm going to catch it with a muted hip ugly or I'm going to catch it below parallel. How do you teach athletes to find that middle ground of still maintaining the integrity of a power clean, meaning anything above parallel, which is a concept people forget. Like, hey, as long as you're above parallel, that's a power clean. But the issue is for many of us, it's you either want me, I'm either going to be at full extension with a muted hip or astagrass. Is the insinuation that you're not going to go to full extension if you squat clean it? No, the insinuation is I'm either going to pull myself all the way down or not. I have a hard time catching it somewhere in the middle. So this, not, this potential you can highlight some other. Th- you know, you give me one right, but I'll how much lighter is the question? So then, yeah, exactly. Right. So if you're at 200, then it's maybe it's not 135. Maybe it's 185. So we ha- that we have to find a spot that challenges you both in both position and in load, right? So it doesn't have to be this egregious jump backwards, but if you're just like, Hey, I'm going to have to bring it down 25 pounds to, to catch in that quarter squat or catch it right below parallel. Well, I got news for everybody. Like that's going to be hard. It's going to be very difficult. If you've not done position or skill work and weightlifting that involves pausing in positions, whether it's on the pull or on the push or in receiving positions, or doing you know uh, quarter half full squat cycles like that is very 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 difficult to do. Like it is mentally defeating. So that but going back to answer the question is how do we do that? Well, we've kind of built that into how we teach it every single time, which is the kind of that command and control. When we when I put a PVC pipe or a barbell in people's hands, particularly for power clean. The muted hip is the the main offender, right? That's gonna that's gonna really cause me to like, man, that is just not look like good crisp movement. So we teach that from the get-go, which is like, hey, we're gonna start with a muscle clean and then we're gonna do a high hang power. But I always have people catch in the receiving position. And I tell them that, hey, we're gonna pause, you're gonna stay here, and then I'm gonna stand you up. Because if I do that every single time that we teach the power clean. You're talking about getting hundreds upon hundreds of reps into that position over the course of not that long, right? You know, like six to nine months, which is really how we should look at coaching and training is not 30 days, 90 days. I should be looking at what's the right thing to get these athletes moving over a long, a very long period of time. And that's the way I should approach it. That's, that should be the plan. And let's just say it's also safer. With all that being said, I think you're absolutely spot on there. You load up to a certain one rep max. I always tell people it's like the front squat. Everyone has a load where their knees go in, right? It's just right. at some point right. you just you're hitting that threshold, and and that's mm-hmm. really what that was. That was threshold training. I was beyond it. I was and, more intensity than technique. And you you could have some pretty interesting discussions with some PTs and some other folks in the in the in the physio world who are much more intelligent to me that would have legitimate 
arguments to the fact that that is not necessarily always bad, that there is a little bit of stretch reflex going on in there with regard to that. Um, so it, it's, again, context matters. So it's not the end of the world, particularly in like a quick turnaround movement. Do we want to see it? No, but there, there, you could have an interesting conversation about that for sure. So last thing with regard to that drill about getting people out of the muted hip position, I don't remember where I learned this. I may have made it up. I don't remember. So I apologize if I don't give credit. Um, if you have people that just constantly are not sitting back in positions, if we think about visual, verbal, tactile cues. So at this point, we can assume visual hasn't worked. Verbal hasn't worked. Um, you can do something similar to uh, like a wall or squat therapy. So what I would have somebody do is I would have them get back towards the wall and I would have them move to a position um, like probably like have maybe something that looked like bar above the knee where their hips were almost touching the wall. Okay. Now, when you do this, you're going to do it with maybe a PVC pipe or probably no PVC pipe at all. So just imagine somebody has a barbell on their hands where the, um, the bar is just above the knee, but now they have no barbell and they're just working with their thumbs. So I just, if I had them jump catch, they would jump and their hands would move from their knees and they would place their thumbs on their shoulders like they had a bar on the front rack. Okay. So I think everybody can imagine this. At this and if you point. can't imagine it, go on our YouTube channel for instance. Right. And then, so from here, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give them tactile feedback on where to put their hips. So if their back is to the wall, they're going to be set up in a position where maybe their hips are on the wall, maybe they're not, but they're relatively close. And then I'm just going to have them jump and catch. And when they jump and catch, the goal is to get their hips to the wall. So now they're actively pushing their hips back and down versus forward in that position. So there's just something back there. And this is not an all the time thing. It's just a tool, use it or don't, but it's, it's that jump and catch boom. But if I'm in that right position, I will push my hips back and down towards the wall and I'll hit the wall or I'll miss it. If I'm, if I'm in this kind of quasi upright position, position here, which we could agree is incorrect. Yeah. It may not be muted, but it's still way too vertical for a power clean. It'll eventually turn into a knee initiated squat on the way down. So that's another tool. It's just like jump, catch hips on the wall. And then once I've got that, now I can get people into moving pretty quickly. Um, but again, anything that helps the athlete create better awareness is a good tool. Yeah. I, another thing I like about that drill is it's also preventing an overextension because you'll smash your head into the wall. Right. And you, and again, the, all things you should take into consideration. they shouldn't be that close because if they're starting with their hips back in the in that kind of middle position, I mean, you'd have to really get far back into that position. Yeah. And if, and if they're doing that, well then again, you, that's, you know, what we like to describe as a self-correcting evolution. Yeah. All it takes is one head smash or maybe right. two in my case, but point is a use the power clean B you should be squat cleaning more than you can power clean. If there, if you can typically one of two reasons, like Fern alluded to poor receiving position, i.e. just your front squat needs work or B you're fearful or just not proficient in that third pull. And we all know the third pull is pulling yourself under the bar. Lots of options that Fern went through to fix that, specifically one right there with uh, no weight and just using that wall for that cue. Great timing to do that right now where tactile cues need to be potentially kept to a minimum. And ultimately... Right. Don't use your hand, everybody. Yeah, yeah. That's well, creepy. Hey, get your That's butt creepy. to my hand. <laughs> um, and then lastly... This is stuff you should be keeping super, super simple. You right. should be teaching it from day one when your new members show up and it should be staying simple and layered on time after time. And that's how you have a beginner 
in class with a veteran and everyone's learning because if you're a veteran in the class, you need to be, look, I've been doing this thing for a long time. And when I take a class and I'm still working on those positions and clearly I've demonstrated, I need more work on those positions. Right. So there you have it. The power clean, as always, this episode is brought to you by doc Spartan. Check out doc Spartan for all your grooming facial Netherland regional products. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, no, because nobody's ever going to those places for you. So unfortunately, unfortunately, yeah. just myself. Best hour, yeah. the code best hour gets you fifteen percent off. And if you haven't already, please head over to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash best hour of their day. Six dollars bonus episodes. Fern, I'm gonna let you shout out to shout out to New Glarus Brewing Company and Spotted Cow for making this show tolerable with my partner Jay Ackerman. <laughs> Fern. <laughs> I know it's been the best hour of your day. It's been an okay hour for me, but for those listening, I hope it was the best hour of your day and you learned a little bit about the power plate. So you never miss an episode of the podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and on all major podcasting platforms at best hour of their day. Thank you so much for tuning in and for being a part of the best hour of our day. See you next time.